And folks, while our world is on fire, how about yours? To uh, quote the That's the way I like it, and I'll never get bored. Um, We are bringing you a... We will try not to be too solemn episode of Beef Sticks Podcast. But, um... We... It's going to be... It's going to be somewhat... We we have to touch on the issues at hands. That that that's part of uh, that's part of having a podcast. And the yeah. biggest issue right now is uh, through the nation, but especially we're podcasting straight out of Minnesota. Is George Floyd being murdered by police officers on video? And um, not that it's ever good to murder anyone, but by God, this was like a seven minute choking. It was. Like it wasn't like uh oh oh they shot him in the back three times and then Over they felt bad minutes. or they were scared. Over three minutes after was, he fell uh, unconscious, that officer stayed on his neck. Yeah, so I mean it it was it was a legitimate long term murder, and it's huge. And their um, justice isn't being done swift enough. We hope that justice does come about. Certain things have come and. Uh, but before we get into any of our things, I think Pacey, let's just get right into uh, the f- right into the top of the show. We have to start it out with the many uh, pro wrestler responses to George Floyd's death. Um, yes. You want to start out? You want me to start out? We got a few of them here. I can I can kick this off. Kicker. Uh, Titus O'Neil posted a lengthy post on Instagram noting the incident was frustrating, hurtful, scary. I'm literally sitting in my car looking at pictures of me and my sons just come to tears, O'Neill wrote. As a black father, this shit is frustrating, hurtful, scary, etc. I've been able to teach my kids a lot about life, but I'm not equipped to teach or tell my kids or another black or brown kids how to deal with this type of shit over and over again. I doubt very seriously that my friends, coworkers, business partners, etc., that don't look like me have ever had to think about half the stuff I do as a black parent trying to raise two black men in this country. I doubt they've ever had to have the talk with their children. I doubt they'll ever have to tell their children how beautiful and amazing they are as much as I tell mine. I doubt they'll have to wonder if their kids will be okay with driving their cars outside of getting into an accident. I doubt they have to go shopping for body cameras to install on their kids' vehicles. I have lots of doubts, concerns, anger, frustration, and questions. What I don't have is answers. That's where many black and brown people are today and have been for years. I can't explain to them that the outrage people have for hurting dogs and animals is deafening, yet the outrage for killing black men and women with a law enforcement uniform on seems to be addressed as business as usual. I don't feel like a superhero. I don't have any answers, and I do feel hopeless in this situation. I'm not okay with this. Yeah, you uh, you can feel his emotions in that. Yeah. Um, Jay Uso went on and posted a response on Instagram admitting that he does not speak on social issues very often at all. But he did this time. He posted a caption alongside a photo of Colin Kaepernick kneeling and the police officer kneeling on Floyd's neck. And he said, 
Real talk. I never speak on these kinds of situations, let alone post it. I've had my run-ins with police. Some good, most bad. That's my experience. But out of all this hate and racism we live in, this made me think of my kids. In America, my kids will be considered black. When they are men, will they be facing the same struggle as a father? Uncle. It scared the fuck out of me. Naomi posted a shorter response. So sick of this happening to our people. On top of that, nothing being done about it. Something has to be done, and many things have to be changed. Rest in peace, George Floyd. The random white guy Twitter of the week here, Randy Orton retweeted a petition from Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Fry to bring justice to the case, then took to Twitter and posted the hashtag Black Lives Matter. One fan responded to Orton and told him, quote, stop spreading hate and segregation. I can only assume that fan is completely white. I can't Sorry. tell you how many people I booted off my <sighs> friends list for statements like that this week. I ain't standing for any of it. And and that fan ended his post saying all lives matter. Well, Randy Orton wrote back to the fan in, in actually a very, a very professional way saying all lives do matter. But the point I was trying to make is that I finally realized that until black lives matter, all lives can't matter. Do you get it? It makes perfectly clear sense. And if you don't I, believe it, there's something wrong with you. For real. You haven't seen enough. I don't know. Get out there. Make black friends. Talk with them. Listen to their problems. Lacey Evans then tweeted a message saying, Humans should learn how to humanize humans. Make the world a better place without racism. R.I.P. George Floyd. Hashtag justice for George Floyd. So that's that's just a few of the uh, responses that I kind of gathered up here over uh, a couple days. Um, without going on a long tirade, Pasty, do you have anything you want to say on the issue? I'm sick of it. Everybody's sick of it. I think the whole nation is sick of it. The way everybody is rising up and coming together, people of every color. It doesn't matter anymore. We stand together in this against injustices done to the people by officers in uniforms who just want to throw their power around. I was down in South Minneapolis off Minnehaha and Lake last night uh, from about 8 o'clock till just before 10 because Kirsten came with and she still wanted to make it to work. Told her I wasn't going to promise it, but we still managed to get back before then. Fortunately, we did leave just before the third precinct got broken into and lit on fire. And just before that, they had shot off hundreds and hundreds of rounds of tear gas and rubber bullets as they were making their leave. I'm assuming they expended all the ammo on site. I'm glad we left before that, but at the same point, it broke my heart to have to walk away from that. The people need our support. In any community, if you can get together and protest with these people. I'm not talking looting. And if you want to burn some businesses, make sure it's big chain businesses. Stay away from the small local businesses with people who have built this on their own backs. Yeah, Target being burnt down, they're, they're completely, you know, broken into, looted. They're insured. They're not out anything. They're, in fact, making money off of everything that's stolen or broken. So don't for a second listen to the people say, oh, my God, they're, yeah, 
But yes, I would agree. Stay away from the, the mom and pop shops that that's all they have in their lives. There was some truth about Target that was opened up in my mind, and I don't want to be too long-winded on this, but I think more people need to know about it. But China has been rounding up uh, people of Hindu religion for a very long time. They put them in these camps and they reprogram them. Huh, sounds very familiar. When they have been reprogrammed and, and are no longer, you know, touting the Hindu religion, they're not released back into the public. They're sent to work camps. One of these work camps, at least one of these work camps, is a clothing garment factory. And Target started buying garments from this factory. They're fueling the hate around the world, too. Preach, brother. Yeah. And I just, um, I just want to say a quick little thing. I mean, this isn't new. As a young Native American growing up on a reservation, I dealt with a lot of bullshit. Um, I've had issues with police officers that I honestly didn't think I was going to live through, and I have, and thankfully I have. And I've, I've learned, not only have I learned ways to try to avoid it, which isn't always possible, but luckily for me, I'm light-skinned enough, and I've, I've learned how to behave, talk, even move, I can say. To, to I can be white when I want to be. And not, you know, uh, George Floyd couldn't. George Floyd couldn't yeah. be white when he wanted to be. He didn't even have that option. So I just want to say I completely feel this, understand this. I um, am 100% with all of the protesters. I'm okay with the looters and rioters. Not my choice of doing things, but you know what? Colin Kaepernick tried kneeling on a damn football field, and people got pissed at him for that. So, I mean, it's if you try to do it peacefully, you get the same hate. So what the fuck is the difference? Yeah. At least people are talking about it when you're burning shit down and, and blowing up cop cars and busting windows. So at least people are talking about it. And I just – the last thing I want to say is uh, Derek Chauvin or whatever his fucking name is. Yeah. Fuck you. The name fuck says you it all, fucking really, doesn't it? Oh, he's so chauvinistic, the <laughs> bastard. Uh, fuck you. I want to say fuck you to all four police officers. And actually, I want to give a, a, an extended worse fuck you to the goddamn Asian officer who's sitting there with a fucking grin on his face. Yeah. You goddamn minority piece of shit fucker. You're he worse never... than all them white fuckers there because you know what it was like because you have dealt with it, you piece of shit. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And you can That's tell it affected him because he did not turn around to look at what was happening once. He kept his attention on the crowd. No, and he and he and he almost spoke zero words. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, fuck him. He's almost worse than the rest of them. That's just my opinion. I I, I think so too. He should be charged. I think the two, uh, the one on his back and the one on his legs. I mean, they're on his back and on his legs. They're not doing anything to stop it. So there needs to be charges pressed. But well, the thing is, there is there is a law, and it's a federal law in our government that says if you are involved in a felony that ends up with somebody dying, you can be charged with murder Mm. because you just happened to be there. You knew that you were doing something illegal and then somebody died. You're allowed to be charged with murder. I think all four of them cops um, should definitely be charged with murder just on that alone. Other than the fact that they literally presented, prevented him from getting help and, and the rest of it. So they all need to be charged with murder. Uh, various degrees, sure, I'm okay with various degrees of murder, but they all need to be charged with murder. Yes. Uh, the charge for Derek Chauvin is third degree, and I don't think that that's, that's enough. Yeah. No, that's just ridiculous. 
And they're trying to say that that his uh, the, the coroner's preliminary report says that he had underlying heart issues that was the cause of death to give Chauvin some wiggle room in court. And I think that is totally wrong. Uh, I grew up in that neighborhood, six blocks from that precinct. As a child, I met Scruff McGruff in that same police station. This sickens me. And I can't blame the people. And you have to know that there are peaceful protests and looting and rioting going on at the same time from completely different groups of people. As of yesterday, probably even before then, insane amounts of people are pouring in from out of state just to incite more and more. So be careful with how you go about things and what you say versus what you know. There's plenty of live streams on the streets 24 hours a day. Learn the truth before you speak. I think that's about the best uh I think that's about the best way to end this pasty. So yeah. uh, that was an awesome awesome uh capstone for this whole discussion. Thank you. And with that, we're moving out of this fucking year because we just can't stand this year anymore. This year is and not surprisingly even halfway over. Surprisingly, just a year ago was so much more blissful. And yes, folks, we're going back only a year. This may we we had our longest this week in pro wrestling a couple weeks ago. This may be our shortest one yet. May twenty fifth, twenty nineteen, just one year ago, AEW planted their flag in the pro wrestling world with double or nothing, the very first official all elite wrestling event. According to Dave Meltzer, there were 11,000 tickets for Double or Nothing sold. Of these tickets, almost all were sold in the pre-sale on February 11th. So over a month ahead of time, almost everything was sold out. And not only that, in about 30 minutes or less to people who had earlier provided their email address, something that has never happened in the pro wrestling world before, Sellouts that quickly have happened? Yes, but for the very first event that's ever happened? No, you usually have to build a brand up. Yes. Super amazing. Ticket sales were open to the general public on February 13, 2019 and sold out in four minutes there. On the June 3, 2019 edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Dave Meltzer wrote that Double or Nothing received roughly 98,000 buys between television and digital pay-per-view with close to a 50-50 split between the two. That means um, AEW got about 50% of the money that came in, and the um, pay-per-view slash digital promotions got about 50-50. About two-thirds came from the U.S. with the United Kingdom, uh, which aired the pregame show for ITV4 being the strong second, followed by Australia, Germany, and Canada. So this was a worldwide phenomenon. Meltzer predicted that further replay buys of Double or Nothing would easily result in overtaking ECW's biggest show ever, 99,000, and becoming the biggest pay-per-view in pro wrestling history that wasn't produced by WWE or WCW, and he was correct. That did happen. Meltzer additionally described that no one has achieved this level of buys without regular television exposure since the 2002 Tito Ortiz versus Ken Shamrock match and the 2004 Chuck Liddell versus Ortiz fights. Both of them, by the way, were UFC mixed martial arts fights, not mm. pro wrestling fights. 
On the June 10th edition, Meltzer wrote that Double or Nothing is estimated at somewhere between 98.5, well, at 98,500 and 113,000 buys. Somewhere in between there. Even at its lowest at 98,500. Huge. Huge. The best estimate has the U.S. pay-per-view buys around 71,000, which almost an exact 50-50 split, as we mentioned before, from television and the Bleacher Report Live. Now, that is notable because nobody ever did a 50-50 split at the beginning. The biggest split that Meltzer had heard of for a television pay-per-view and streaming was Conor McGregor versus Khabib Nurmagomedov. He's not a wrestler. I don't have to get it right. And that was an 80-20 split in favor of the television. Now, he is wrong there. I know that WCW would get 50-50 split for their pay-per-views. And WWE, I have heard, also got um, more. Like, they'd get a 60-40 on their end. But I I know for sure the WCW one is because all of their numbers had to be um, public when the whole uh, bankruptcy lawsuit happened. So WCW did have 50-50 splits. But WCW had the lineage of the NWA and then literally had, like, Oh, 90, 91. So they probably had five years of buildup before they got to that moment. Yeah. So huge. I mean, just, just huge. Just want to call the facts the facts. The card for that show pasty featured a new crop of talent in this ever growing market. We had the casino battle Royal. I'm not going to name everybody who was on that here. Let's just say that, uh, a no-legged wrestler and the uh, 400, 500-pound AC Romero were featured in that. Yes, they were. Um, that was won by Hangman Adam Page. Kip Sabian defe- defeating Sammy Guevara. SCU, Daniels, Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky besting Ashima, T-Hawk, and Lindemann of OWE. Wow, they were going to be a big thing and nothing ever happened there. Yeah, no, that was, that was really, it was like a two-off, and it was done. And that was just for Shima. Yeah. Britt Baker winning over Kylie Ray, Nyla Rose, and Awesome Kong. The best friends defeating Anahediko and Jack Evans. Hakiru Shida, Ryo Abe, and Ryo Mizunami topped Aja Kong, Yuka Sakazaki, and Emi Sukaru. Cody took out Dustin Rhodes, AAA World Tag Team Champions, Young Bucks beating the Lucha Brothers, and the main event of the night seeing Chris Jericho defeating Kenny Omega. Yes. It was a hell of a card. Hell of a card. It was. Oh, man. That Cody-Dustin match is still a beautiful work of art in the world of wrestling. And, you know, take take away all the crazy shit that's happened in 2020. Without Even without that, it's just amazing that, that that's only been a year ago. I know it feels like so much longer. <laughs> I was sitting here, uh, I was sitting here thinking the other day, I was, I was actually going over stuff in my head about pro wrestling and the show and this and that. And AEW only had about, I think, less than six months of television before all of this COVID stuff hit and kind of shut them down. Like, they're still, their show is still a brand new product right now. They've got less than a year of what I would call a real show. I think WWE, AEW, Impact Wrestling, ML, everybody will tell you that ever since the COVID stuff hit, this isn't, 
this isn't canon. What's happening? What's happening right now? To put it in like comic book terms, I don't yeah. know a better way to put it. Like three, five years from now, they're not going to be showing highlights of the shit that's happening right now with empty arenas and like like this is just filler until they get back to real programming. Well, I mean, once this all goes down in history and becomes history, then they're going to embrace it more. I don't think so. I think this is going to be a dark age that they don't talk about very often. (laughs) I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to show, you know, you're going to have a a best of compilation and you're going to show a match between two wrestlers in front of nobody. Like that's never going to happen. That's not going to be on any compilation DVD or nothing. I can't imagine Uh, a a best of. Not a, not a compilation. Maybe a documentary about this event. Yeah. Or, I mean, yeah, whatever. About the yeah. event or about the series of events. You know, because it's, honestly, for how hard they've been pushing through this, they're staying successful, which is great for a brand new company. I think that's that's historic to them. Yeah. So I think yeah, that's but I'm just, you'd want to embrace. Well, for real, that's kind of what I'm saying is, well, that... I mean, they've only had like six months of real television, and yeah. then they've had this this shit. You know, that's just that nobody nobody planned for. Nobody nobody scripted this when they sat down and penned their. You know, this is where we want to. Yeah, this in is general. When they sat down and penned what they wanted to do for their first year, I can guarantee you nothing that's happened in the past three four months was on that list. Nothing. Whew. Uh, well, we've been lightening the mood a little bit. I think it's time to crack it in to another gear with this week's uh, Tilkin J.R.R. Well, let me tell you something, brother. How about you make me a bad guy transvestite with a couple bolts in my necks, and I'll spermanate you, brother. I can do it all. You name it, brother. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about right there. Yeah. Thinking, thinking, thinking. <laughs> I'm thinking yeah. I want to be a transvestite, brother. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. But Put one some with... bolt somewhere. <laughs> I don't want to tell you what's 24 inches, brother, but it's the thermos. <laughs> I listened to that before the show, and I can't not crack up when he transfers between Hogan and Macho Man. Great. <laughs> I just love when he's like, you're going to put some bolts somewhere, brother. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. It's good stuff. It's it's good stuff. It's actually great it's if you know where it's coming from. But it's good to laugh right now. It is. It's it's very good to laugh. And uh, speaking of things that might make you laugh, let's get into 2020's AEW Double or Nothing. Yes. Didn't turn into the buy-in. But we had you didn't turn one. into it? I didn't turn into it. And I didn't That's turn amazing. into it either. <laughs> We had the number one contender match for the tag team titles, seeing the best friends Chuck Taylor and Trent defeating the private parties Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Quinn. Chuck Taylor should just drop the Taylor name at this point. They should just be Chuck and Trent. I think, I think Chuck. I think Chuck Taylor should just drop Trent. <laughs> <laughs> That's just that's just Fat Max. But I, I, mean, I know you don't like them, but you can't say they haven't been getting better. Oh, no, they they work well together. Trent is always best when he's with Chuck Taylor. I mean, to me, Trent needs Chuck, and I think and I think 
Chuck is held back by Trent. But I, I get it. They have fun together. When you're in a tag team, you don't work as hard. You you have a travel buddy that you're always with, so you can organize things so much better. They seem to genuinely enjoy each other. So I mean, I get it. It's fine. And obviously, they're called best friends because eventually they're gonna split, and it's gonna be huge. You know. You know. Yeah. I, I hope so. I hope so. But I've. I mean, I've always just not been a big Trent Britta fan. Go back to some of our earlier shows when he's working New Hungry Japan or Rice. ROH, and it's just like I'm just. I'm not a Trent Breda guy. I'm just not. He's just never won me over. And maybe he just never will. And there might not be a reason for it. But I feel he's just, yeah, that's just, I didn't watch the match either. So I'm not saying he did bad in the match. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm, just I'm also saying that I, I still think, um, I still think private party should have went over, even if it is a uh, buy-in or a pre-show or whatever you want to call it. I just, I don't get, I don't get the, the, I know people say people use Barry too much. Private Party just real—they might not have been buried, but they sure haven't been pushed. I can say that easily. Yeah, I heard there was some uh, pretty poor rookie spots from Private Party in this match, which might be part of the reason why they're not getting the push that everybody thought they were going to get. Um, uh, could be. But that's kind—that kind of happened. So I can't really say. Yeah, that kind of happened though a lot. I mean throughout the whole show there's that's the thing when you have a lot of these up-and-comers again as new as this thing is a lot of these a lot of these people never have done live tv well they've let alone wrestled in front of nobody before <laughs> you know but yeah so many of these people have never done like live tv um have been put in this position and they're learning as they go they obviously none of these people are on well none of the people who are green are put on every single week. So they're not getting as much of the exposure. Uh. So you just, they're going to, they're going to grow as we go. You hope. And, um, the people that don't start getting better, we can definitely call out. But I, I did see on this pay-per-view for sure. Just a lot of things that I thought just looked a little sloppy and um but it happens it's another reason that i'm a hundred percent for and i've said this in other shows pre-taping every show that you put on mm-hmm. yeah mine pre-taping well. raw smackdown dynamite i mean you can do the the pay-per-views live and that's cool that gives them something special but god there's nothing wrong with pre-taping shit no, i mean the the sitcom and drama TV community's been doing it for centuries, and it Unless seems to work well for them. Really bad. Then, then, then you might as well just do it live because some and of the editing we've seen has been atrocious. It has been. I and I have a bone to pick about that coming up in the future on this show. So, ooh. <laughs> but we'll move off of that and let's move to the uh, first match of the night: the casino ladder match for the AEW Championship. They. Have they done a casino ladder match? I know they no, did the casino. Okay, I enjoyed this, though. So I was going to say, this was a little different. This was almost like a Royal Rumble slash Money in the Bank match. Yeah. And it was uh, it was fun. It was fun. I did enjoy it. Um, the results were in almost a 30-minute match, 28 and a half minutes. Brian Cage defeated Darby Allen. SCU, too. That was... Colt Cabana, Orange Cassidy, Joey Janelle, Scorpio Sky, Kip Sabian, Frankie Kazarian... And the Luchosaurus. 
And yeah, Pacey, you're right. It, it started out right off hot with uh, SCU. That was good. Um, it was perfect because last week I asked. I'm like, I hope, I, I hope we see them go against each other. And then it started that way, and I'm like, yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, I guess I should bring my notes up because we're actually into the part that I paid attention to. Um. Uh, what I have about this, I think it delivered chaos and spectacle. I super enjoyed this match. I thought it was very fun. And while the high spots and creativity alone were more than enough for me to just love it and have fun with it, they actually wove stories in here yes. throughout and elevated it to another level. That's something you don't get enough from battle royals, I would say, generally. And this was a, like, a, like a battle royal. You had uh, say you had uh, Saban Havoc and Ford trying to steal the win. You had Orange Cassidy's indifference. You know, right away he's like, "What are the rules?" He asks Excalibur, and he tells him, <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, that's stupid." But then slowly, each time he was involved in the match, like he got more into it and he cared a little more, and, uh, and that was cool. He progressed. The introduction of Cage and Taz was done well. Um, I got more on that later, but the, the introduction. Totally, totally right about that that meme where they're they're Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman. <laughs> right. <laughs> so this had tons of stories that actually kept me invested in between the spots, which is what you don't see a lot. You um, Cage's debut, and I, uh, you add him with Lance Archer, Wardlow, and Brody Lee. I can see a real heavyweight division growing here. Super. Yeah quote super heavyweight division i don't know what you want to call it but um big guys are showing up that's what you call it yeah i have i have some negatives about this but what, what say you on this i i thought this match was a hell of a lot of fun a great way to start the show i was amazed that it was uh every two minutes somebody comes in that really tickled me in the right way like this is new it's not new it's two things put together but god damn it it's new <laughs> Darby Allen doing the skateboard drop off the top of the ladder through the other ladder. Supposed to be on Frankie Kazarian, but he moved. That was a beautiful spot. Um, Joey Nadella standing in for, um, for, oh my God, help me out here. Uh, Joey took the spot of the injured. Uh, who got Phoenix. injured? Ray Phoenix. For Ray Phoenix. Thank there you, you go. Sorry. My, like I said, my mind is. Not been on you. You even you even brought him. You even brought him up as somebody. You're like, yeah. this has all the exciting guys in there, and you're like, what about Joey Janela? And it's like, oh shit, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I'm glad Havoc was there with Sabian, so he got to have his spots in the match. I loved his white suit with the blood speckles. He looks like he's getting fat, but I guess I don't care. He he's great. Um, yeah, the way the the no disqualification played in, so people had teammates coming and helping. Um. It was it was a beautiful car wreck in the best way possible, and this is this is a magic we haven't seen in a WWE ladder match in quite a while. I would agree, and then I, I do just and have I was a couple. Super stoked to see Brian Cage was the TBA pick because I knew I was winning as soon as you he knew came you. Up. Oh, I did too, and that, that's going to bring me into my couple bones of contention here. Uh, Brian Cage, I'm not a huge Brian Cage fan. I think he's. I think he's overhyped, but he, I mean, he's good. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. He's good physically, but I think that not only does he lack personality, which there you, you add Taz to him, that helps. 
I think he just always has a hard time actually telling a story in the ring or being the, the ring psychology. Something about his ring psychology just always seems to be missing for me. And this goes back to Lucha Underground and TNA and like everywhere he's been, he's just been just short of a miss for me. So maybe, maybe here in AEW and maybe adding Taz, uh, maybe he'll win me over here. I definitely was not happy to see with all the talent that was in here. The first night in Brian Cage won a championship match. It goes against everything that AEW had spouted from the beginning where wins and losses matter and everything. It was nobody the should wild come in. card though. That's I well that's true, but nobody should come in with one match. I understand that and, and, I and go for the title. Um also Darby Allen, as you mentioned, the skateboard spot, I, I thought was just super awesome. But Again, if I'm looking at ring psychology, it was super stupid because then he was out until about the very end of the match, and he really got nothing else in after that, which saddened me because he he was up there and the people that I really wanted to see in this match doing some shit. And it's like he he blew it. it, It's basically a freshman blowing their load right away. It's like, no, you could have went all night and had a a fucking marathon. But it's like he no, get he didn't get it onto the pile of rubble that was on top of Brian Cage after everybody beat him down. I honestly, oh, I'm glad you mentioned that because I forgot. I honestly thought that was going to be their way of not letting Brian Cage win. I thought so but for a bit he, too, and then he stayed under there for a long time. I'm like, he's getting up. <laughs> yeah, he hulked out of that shit. Uh, and I really loved the Orange Cassidy riding Brian Cage up the ladder to try to get the win. That was a brilliant <laughs> way for him cool. to go about that. Uh, I did like that. That was fun. <laughs> Orange Orange Cassidy, he's good in small spurts for me personally. I've said that so often, and I haven't seen him for so long. And the way he did his gimmick in this match, I just, I really enjoyed it. Actually, everybody, I think um, Colt Cabana, I guess yeah. I can say I don't remember a single thing with him. So <laughs> he didn't really stand out to me, but he'd probably be the only one that well, really Cabana's just. Colt just there to pop up in the back of 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 being the elite and piss Kenny Omega off. That's his thing. Oh yeah. He, he just shows up in Kenny yeah. Omega's scenes and pisses. Is him that off. what it is? Yeah. Okay. I'll 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 buy that. We know Colt, um, Colt does the comedy shit really well too. So. Oh, he does. No, he does for sure. He's he's great at that. Um, the other thing was um with Joey Janela in that match. See, I don't know. I don't know the storyline between Saban and and Penelope Ford, but Penelope Ford and Joey Janela. Are, I think they're married. If they're not married, they've been together for years and years and years in real life. So I thought it was, I thought it was like straight shoot that that she broke up with, or they broke up and she wound up with Kip. I guess I don't. I haven't heard that. That's possible. I didn't. I didn't know anything about her and, and Kip Saban being together I actually, at all. I actually kind of attributed but, to the um, part of the reason why Joey went to wrestle more on indies for a while. There, he needed to heal from it. That's kind of what it felt like to me. Could be. Either way, let's let's just pretend like I didn't know that because I haven't because I didn't. If that is the case, when um Cage was power bombing Ford onto I think it was it was either Havoc or Sabian. I think it might have been Sabian, but I'm just sitting there thinking like Joey Janelle is right over there. Boy, you better make sure you fucking power bomb her so safe, or he is giving you some <laughs> stiff potatoes in this match, motherfucker. <laughs> That's all I could think of. <laughs> Uh, Joey Janela was the perfect replacement for. Oh, uh, hands replacement. down, hands down. 
And, um, oh, and by the way, I am happy to see Taz um, working as a manager, whether it's with Brian Cage or whoever it is. I thought he's done great. I know I really enjoyed him at Aces and Eights. I enjoyed him when he was the manager of Samoa Joe in TNA. Mm. And I keep thinking he did – he was a manager in WWE at one point, but I have not been able to rack my brain to think of who he managed. But e- even if not, I've I've really enjoyed Taz as a manager – He's small enough that he doesn't overshadow the performer. He's got the literal knowledge to where it's believable, and he's an amazing mouthpiece. Yes. So I'm all for Taz being a manager of anybody. Uh-huh. I mean, AEW has a lot of managers, but I don't think I hate that either. Uh, I would say most – I wouldn't say most. I would say WWE – is super lacking managers. So, yeah, I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. I like having managers, for sure. Yeah, it, it adds that air of what could happen at the ringside. That you really can't get unless you're in a tag team match. Uh, such a good match. We could probably talk about this longer than the rest of the show, other than, the, I don't know, last couple of matches were really fucking good, in my opinion. But not everybody's opinion aligns with that. Uh, so we'll move right on. Next match was MJF defeating Jungle Boy. This was beautiful, fast-paced, cruiserweight-style work, and I don't think of MJF as a cruiserweight wrestler, but every time I see a move like that, it's so impressive. They put on an amazing match, and I look forward to seeing this be a, a rivalry that goes on for quite a long time years that could go on their entire career for all i care tie these two men together because they do some good shit in the ring yeah yeah you gonna poop on it now uh a little bit <laughs> a little bit i liked the uh i liked the poison rana on the ring side yes. that was really cool poison ranas are just fun to watch i'm sorry they just are and uh, it, it went, wasn't. That's the hard part of the ring. So everything else is soft. You forgot a I syllable, Jr. <laughs> right, hard est. Um, Jr. Oh. I've got a note at the end of this, but man, we're just gonna spoiler alert here. Jr. was again off his fucking game here tonight. I'm just calling um, it. That's his gimmick, and I'm just, <laughs> that I could laugh. be. It's fun. The, the only thing I want to say about this is, I, I think it was great. I think it was fun. I think, A, um, bad positioning, whoever the agents were or the producers who set this up, you can't put this match after the ladder match. It just doesn't work. You should have put it after Cody Archer or... um, Yeah, yeah, any of those. I do want to say, I mean, it was a a decent cruiserweight match, I'll say that, but when I compare it to, say, the old WCW cruiserweight matches that used to be on their pay-per-views or even the 205 Live matches in WWE, I felt like this was just subpar compared to them. I just didn't think... It it was a good match, but I think it belonged on Dynamite or Dark. I don't think it belonged on a pay-per-view, and it definitely didn't belong... In this spot, hurt it more than anything. Yeah. So... Not a bad. I'm not saying it's a bad match. I'm just thinking that either A, they could have done it better, or B, it would have looked better placed somewhere else. Yeah. I agree with you there. There was a little bit of lacking. I I like seeing these guys work together. Um, I don't, with AEW, I'm so much more willing to forgive mistakes. 
I don't understand why that is, but I don't well, care, I think it makes from what I said, it, I think from what I said at the top of this is that so many of them are very green to being on live, um, huge arenas like this. So I mean, that, that, obviously they're not in a huge arena now, but they're not used to this live show. They're not used to this spectacle. They're not used to hard cams or even sometimes any cams. You know, I mean. Mm-hmm. I think I think you're allowed to give them a little leeway for for now. For now. Yeah, yeah. Before we go on, I also want to say I, I I do believe that they had enough people at ringside that it really helped. I mean, yeah, it was a bunch of wrestlers and Vicky Guerrero, but like I think it helped to 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 get into the mood of it more and and you know, it wasn't empty. It wasn't quiet. I yeah I was I was gonna save that till the end I was gonna save that until the end but no no that's fine we can bring it up now I liked how they used it obviously uh, WWE liked how they used it because they're doing that moving forward I didn't understand the Vicky Guerrero thing is she part of AEW too or yeah she she I guess uh, this week I didn't watch because other shit you know more important shit but uh, this week she debuted also on. Uh, I don't I don't even have that in the news. Did we talk about her joining before or signing? Uh, I don't know. No, but she was there the one time on commentary on Dark. Oh, that's then... right. That's right. We did talk about that. Yeah. And, and so she's done like some some being the elite stuff. And, yeah. It it was good that they got. I don't know who they all got in there. Not everybody was wrestlers or if they were, some of those wrestlers were really acting like fans and mm-hmm. oh, my fucking God. I and shit they like that. Like they select were select fans because there was people like uh, where where uh, WWE announcers would be sitting like on that. Side. Yeah. Where they had face masks on and they were spaced out more. See, I I don't think they were fans. I, my my feeling is family? they were well families, workers. You know, I mean, yeah. obviously there's going to be some workers for the venue. There's going to be people that are that set up the rings and do other things before production. Like I I, I feel like they're probably not fans, but probably yeah, um, workers, close friends. Um, Family stuff like that. I, I think it, I liked it. I liked it. It, it helped. It's no. It's still noticeable. Yeah, still noticeable. But it, it helped. I'll, I'll go with that. I do want to go back and say I did. Um, I like to give my grades as I go because that's what I do. The casino ladder match I gave an A. Um, this match I gave a B. That's and you're gonna see going forward. Well, I think it deserved it. It just. It was a B. It was just yeah. there. Yeah. But going forward, you're going to see outside of this B, I only gave out two grades the whole time. And I didn't do that on purpose. When I was going back looking, I was like, wow, this was an AC show all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> so get ready for a lot of A's and C's, folks. Yeah. And talking about C's, pasty. I actually didn't watch this one, so I'm going to let you talk on it more. I, we I got have other the, shit going on. We got the AEW TNT Championship Finals. Cody defeated Lance Archer. I think everybody's sitting here saying why, but that's okay. I mean, I got a point from it, so I'm not mad. No, no. You you did good on this pay-per-view. Um, Archer was presented as a dominant force throughout the match. He was kicking out of everything that Cody threw at him. That was good. He looked every bit the monster that they built him up for. But... Then that goes right into why it's such a curious decision to have him 
just completely fall apart the moment that Jake the Snake was ejected. So what happened was Arn Anderson came to the ring with Cody, Jake came in with Lance Archer, Mike Tyson sat in the back, and this is, I believe, the third time the fucking cameraman shot somebody in the audience yawning. They got a fucking... Yeah, I, as much that. shit as I give Kevin Dunn, <laughs> Kevin Dunn would never, ever have that happen. We've seen Tony Khan do it. I want to say that we've seen it another time, and even if we didn't, we've seen Tony Khan and Mike Tyson yawning, two people that shouldn't be fucking yawning during matches. <laughs> God damn it, that's really... I hate Kevin Dunn, but Kevin Dunn would never allow that. So um, they need to work on their shit with that. But but Tyson was fun. But anyways, so what happened was, of course, both Arn and Jake are getting involved, so the ref throws him out. And as soon as Jake was ejected, it was like uh, Archer just turned into a bitch. It's not as if Archer hasn't competed without Roberts before. He has. He was successful in Impact Wrestling, New Japan Wrestling, without anyone's help. And uh, I believe he's done really good, and it seems like they built him up strong in AEW. Yeah, I haven't been watching, thing. but so I don't think he – I don't get why he and, – and this whole time in the match, Roberts didn't interfere on his behalf at, on his behalf at all. He just fought with Arn Anderson. So he didn't even really affect – like he wasn't helping him. So to me, that killed the psychology of the match. Other than that, it was also plodding and slow, which I guess you could kind of feel like, or you could understand, but it felt like a WWF super heavyweights match from the 80s. <laughs> but this is with two fit, young, agile wrestlers, so it kind of didn't work. But despite my feelings of Cody, I think they both should have been able to pull off something better than this. Um, I, I didn't care for it. Tyson, Tyson was cool because then, uh, when Jake Roberts was kicked out, he, he started to come back and Mike Tyson got up and he ripped the shirt like Hulk Hogan. And yeah, Tyson he, was allowed to do whatever he, he wanted, flexed. right? That was like a rule in the match. What? He was allowed to fucking yawn. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think he was allowed to interfere in the match. I think he that's didn't, what they at said least. at the beginning. I didn't, oh, I didn't. He just sat in a chair and watched it was all he did. <laughs> So I guess that's what he wanted to do. <laughs> but I thought it was cool. And, he, hey, by the way, he looks amazing. For his age, oh, my gosh, his body is, is amazing. So he was awesome with that. Um, I give this one a C grade. I know you didn't watch the match, but, Pasty, we have to talk about the belt. Now, yes, before we get going, the belt they showed wasn't a finished belt. So I don't feel like. Why would you well, do that then? I don't feel like they should have showed it. That, I mean, you that's could first have easily pushed double or nothing back. Or even just not showed the belt immediately and just yeah. said, due to everything going on, the belt will be revealed on Dynamite coming up or whatever. But I have seen what AEW has put out as what the final product will look like. I like AEW's belts. I don't like this one. It's it is gold. It's not the silver that you kind of seen on in the pay-per-view, but it's got the giant TNT logo in the middle. I despise that. And it's got Ted Turner's plantation on the the, the side plates. What? And it's like, God, with all I know Whoa. it's not a plantation nowadays. Like, yes, he doesn't he doesn't have slaves, but that's it's it's a plantation that he bought, owned, lives in, that one time ran slaves, and it's just like 
First of all, you just don't need Ted Turner's house on no, there. You don't no, need you Vince don't. McMahon Put for all the shit. On there, you know? <laughs> yeah, for real, right? For all the shit Vince McMahon has done, he's never put his fucking house on a belt. So I, what I, what I would recommend is moving the giant TNT logo, making it smaller, much smaller, putting that on the side plates, replacing the plantation. And the rest of the belt looks like it's a decent design, and you can you can even write in like really nice writing, TNT Heavyweight Championship or even TV Championship in case you ever want to change it or move to a different station or whatever. Right, yeah. Like you could put anything you want. You don't even have to have words on it. But uh, I even the what they say is the finished product. I, I don't care for the belt yet. Yeah. I mean. The way the belt looks isn't what makes the belt what it is. I don't know that's the way I look at things. It's it's about the legacy that comes from it, and Cody's the right man to start with it. Uh, I don't know. He deserves a championship. Uh, he's he's a lot better than a lot of people give him credit for. I'm looking at you. <laughs> and and, and fat he back, has to earn fat it. He back, has to prove you it. didn't say the most important thing of this whole thing Cody Uh-oh. didn't bleed that is true that is true and I, I was very proud of he him he listened they listen fucking they listen somebody listens to the wrestling fans <laughs> very very proud of him <laughs> so um, I'll, yeah I'll give you that and that did make me happy but um, especially at 22 minutes god I could have chopped off half the time yeah honestly yeah but Oh, well, onto a match that Pacey was just enthralled in. He said match of the night, I think. <laughs> That's what you text me. That's what you text me, match of the night. No, this this was not very fun. <laughs> uh, this is Chris Statlander defeating Penelope Ford. Who was a replacement for Britt Baker, right? Yeah. We, we should mention that. Yep. We, we were right. Two out of the three injured folks did not make it. And um, I think the third only made it because it was a pre-taped cinematic deal and they were able to work around it. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't have. I got more to say about that, too. Not not that he was bad, just uh, um, health-wise. <laughs> yeah. But go ahead. Let's talk about this match. Um, It was a match. It wasn't the worst thing I've seen, but... You could definitely tell it was supposed to be something more with Britt Baker. Um, there was mistakes made. Uh, I don't really remember it. That's that's where it sits with me. Um, I want to say before we move on. I think it's the on, most forgettable match on the card. Uh, yeah, I'll give I'll I'll give you that. I want to say, though, um, Pasty, I looked it up, and you're right. Kip Sabin and Penelope Ford are a legit item, and Joey Janelle's not with her anymore. So that 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 works. That makes sense. Good for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I prefer Joey Janela, but, you know, maybe... Uh, He's got his white claws. He's fine. Maybe, maybe Kip's doing better in the sack, baby. <laughs> uh, this was my thing. I gave it a C grade. Maybe a little high for it, but I'm giving it a C grade because... Uh, they only had a couple days to get ready for this. It obviously wasn't meant to be this. 
Ford looked really awkward here, but again, I don't fault her. She only had a couple days to get ready, or she might not even have known it was going to be her. You know, it might not have been Britt Baker's out. Okay, Ford, you're in. It might have been Vince McManning at like the day of Ford's here with Kip. You're in. You know, we don't know. She normally usually seems to have that star aura about her. Her though, because she was already used in the casino ladder match. Yeah, yeah. So she was weakened, quote unquote. She's, yeah, um, she usually has a star aura, but that wasn't here. And again, I think it's because she wasn't. She had that star aura in the ladder match, so I, yeah. I don't know. Um, but definitely, Statland, the right person won. Chris needed the win, not only to remain in title contention because it would look bad if she lost here, but she would have really looked bad losing to a lesser replacement than Britt Baker, which is uh, another gripe of mine. I think. You know, Bruce Pritchard has the the phrase he uses over and over again. If you can't give them the match you promised, you want to give them somebody better. So, like, if, you know, if, if all of a sudden, you know, Shawn Michaels can't come in, you give him Bret Hart or you give him Hulk Hogan or, you know, Ultimate Warrior, like, you up it, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I don't see Pen- Penelope Ford being bigger than Bret. I think... No. Um, I don't know who she, you could have brought in. That managerial slot, in a sense, and that's gonna, you know, yeah, it's gonna hold her singles career back more. I think. I mean, I guess name value you could have put Brandy Rhodes in, but you best best believe I would have shit all over that. So <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that's I'm not saying that's a better choice. I'm not saying I have a better choice. I'm just saying they def they definitely didn't they didn't give you a better replacement. It was definitely, definitely a lesser replacement that Statlander couldn't have lost to. There's no yeah. way she could have lost to her. So the right person won. It was three minutes and 20 seconds. You know, no, we're not hurt. Minutes and 30 seconds. Or five, oh, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Nobody was hurt uh, in five, five and a half minutes watching this. Um, nor the next one, which would have hurt going 530 probably. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, it had its good points. It had, it was pretty funny, uh, but we're talking Dustin Rhodes defeating Sean Spears. Uh, Sean came out in a suit, expecting Dustin to not show up from a beatdown that happened on Dynamite. Apparently, yeah, that was news to me. But it was like, okay, we're gonna yep. go with it. Yep. Um, Dustin did come out uh, from behind him and attacked him. He, they played his music twice, I think. Yeah. And Sean was like, oh, you can't play his music twice. He's gone. He's not here. He loses the match. Dustin came out, beat him up, slowly and meticulously ripped off his suit till he was down to nothing but his boxers. Want to tell the people about his boxers, Fat Mac? <sighs> For the life of me, I <laughs> cannot remember who the f- – uh, oh, his- he had um Tully Blanchard yeah. on the yeah. wang of his boxers. <laughs> Like the way Ravishing Rick Rude used to have people's girlfriends on the wang of his, um, he, but but it wasn't like an airbrushed like really cool thing. No. It was it was like a like a like a Shutterstock fucking picture that was clipped out of a magazine or something and and rubber cemented onto his fucking boxer briefs or whatever. I mean, it it, it was funny. I I guess Dustin. He seems to be at the best point in his career, but it seems like he can either do hardcore or comedy. He can't just have a real match, or at least, or at least he hasn't been doing that. And um, it's weird I don't how think Sean that... Spears' character keeps changing. 
Like he's always different. He was he was a, a legitimate threat to Cody Rhodes in the beginning, and now he's definitely not. Definitely not. I just I, I don't think this helped Dustin or Sean. I don't know what the point of it was. I don't know what it the point of it was. Entertaining. It was your Gaga match, and, yeah. and I'll give him this: they only made it. They made it less than three and a half minutes. So for that, there you go. That is definitely your uh, popcorn match your bathroom break match. But I really think that... It should have been in between uh, the next two matches, though. It would have helped things a lot. I think you're right, but I do want to say Spears desperately needed a pay-per-view victory, and Dustin didn't, so... yeah, yeah. It didn't help either, but it hurt Sean. It didn't hurt Dustin. One thing that bothers me is I can't remember the last time I've seen Sonny Kiss in a match. (sighs) Sad. It's, you know, I was just thinking of Sunny Kiss. Oh, I think I was thinking of Sunny Kiss because uh, that was on the um, original Casino Battle Royal, I think. Yeah, yeah, he was. Is where I was like, God, what's ever happened to Sunny? And Sunny, and oh, and no. He tag team actually, with Dustin once, and then that was like the last I've seen of him. Other I think Sunny was also, yeah, I was going to say, I think Sunny was in the crowd this weekend. I think yeah. that's where I thought of Sunny Kiss. Like, hey, there you go. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Is that yours or mine? Uh, you're talking about the no DQ, no count out, AEW Women's Championship match. Man, nobody saw this one coming because Hikaru Shida defeated Nyla Rose. Ooh, this barn was, burner. This was good. I was disappointed Nyla Rose lost, but Hikaru but. Shida earned that shit. <laughs> Damn right she did. <laughs> this, oh, tenfold. Oh, man, she came out, no smiles. Serious business. Which she's, is different from what she's been doing, yeah, apparently. So. Yeah. She's, she's been, like, a sort of sort of a Bailey-esque, essentially, original Bailey, Like, happy fan favorite. Um, this time it was all business. She came out. She, she just, I don't know, they, they laid waste to... Almost all the props are on ringside. Uh, yeah. Oh, for real. Yeah, they really used the the no DQ, the uh, the arena, the not having any fans <laughs> to their advantage. Uh, no, this was this was a very solid match. Yeah, I think I think the no DQ stipulation was the key to the success to this match. Yeah. Um, Nyla Rose could have dominated Sheeta, but Sheeta was able to use everything around her. She avoided Rose's beastly offense, and uh, and she actually relied a lot on her uh, her striking, the thing that actually brought her into AEW. That that Puro Russo, as they would say back in the old days. The action was great. The brawl into the stands was super fun, and showcased Sheeta was bent on just getting this title. She, I really felt like she wanted it more tonight. Um, she dealt the final blow with the kendo stick that Rose used against her going up, uh, coming up into here. They did a good job of telling that story because I wouldn't have known that. But that was good on the announcers and good on the recaps for letting me know that this, this kendo stick was an important thing, so I paid attention when they were using it. And this was a very emotional payoff for Hikaru's journey and just a really feel-good moment on a show that, for I me... I believe she smashed it <clears> on her head. Yeah. 
Oh, just sick. I, I, I do want to say, and I'm going to bring up the editing now, and, and I'll bring it up later. The replay really showed her hitting it, like, on her shoulder. But, God, that first that first shot that we seen live, she just it looked like she just whacked the shit out of her fucking Fuck yeah. face. And then they re then they replayed it and kind of showed you the gimmick and it's like ah again I'm just gonna pretend I didn't see the gimmick because that first one looked good but I think that this this showcased a lot of I mean maybe uh, it was to silence the people who would be like oh you can't do that you know what I mean yeah I, I get you <laughs> I, I yeah I get you it was definitely it, it added the emotion that this card was missing, I think, from before this match and after this match, I dare say. Um, maybe not right after, but definitely this match wasn't emo... Or this card wasn't emotion-packed, but this definitely was emotion-packed. Yes. Loved it. I gave this an A grade. So close to an A+. plus. I, I don't know what they could have done different to make it an A+, plus, but I felt like... I feel like these two can have another match and it can be better. Um, loved both of them. They both did great. I'm not even I, – I, I'm bummed Nyla lost, but like you said, I'm not bummed that Sheeta won because she definitely earned it this time. <whistles> Loved this. Then next, I guess we got – oh, and we should say Pasty's up 3-1 to one to Mac. Woo-hoo. So um, Pasty's kicking ass on this one so far, and that's not going to change anytime soon. We've got the not main event, which – I again think maybe I I don't know. They've been they've been really priding the themselves on Stampede being the fun experience it was. I can understand your complaint about it being the last match. Yeah, it could have been the first match even. Uh, but um yeah. they, it, they they pride themselves on the the you know, Tony Khan and Cody have both said, you know, we put on the, the heavyweight title last because that's our championship and that's what you should do. And then it's like, yeah, then we had a, a gimmick haha match going on after it. But whatever, that's not what I'm talking about right now. What I'm talking about is the AEW World Championship match. John Moxley successfully defending his title against Brody Lee, the uh, the exalted one. But he won by referee stoppage. So yeah. he John Mo- so Brody Lee didn't lose, but John Moxley won, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. Um so I will get into mine. First of all, I gave this uh, an A grade. Again, just like the women's match that like you said, there could have been that bathroom break in between these two. I, I don't know what I wanted more from them, but I, I just think they this can give match me more. and the women's championship match were too similar to be right next to each other. Agreed, agreed. But this, I think, this was Moxley's best pay per view match so far, yeah. in my opinion, in either Tony AEW or WWE. Like a beast in this match, Ugh. amazing. I, I, I've never really seen him outside of WWE, but oh my god, what a monster! I love it. This was this was a balls all out brawl, Fuck brutal, yeah. intense. Uh, Moxley did win, but just just barely. You know, Lee looked like a real fucking badass here, and he fought through everything that Moxley threw at him. There was a couple times that I was worried legitimately for these two. The first was when they were fighting on one of those uh, stack of poker chip gimmicks that they had out there. Mm-hmm. 
and I noticed, and I didn't notice this in the women's title match, and it might have just been because I just didn't see it, or maybe that it was a different stack of chips gimmick or something. Maybe they didn't get to this one. I don't know, but I noticed that they had um, exposed nails coming up from the bottom. Oh, shit. And I was just like, oh, God, don't – just don't, like, throw somebody to the side of it and just rip it up. It's like, ah. Oh. And they never did. They never did whether they knew it or not. I'm not sure. The second spot was when Moxley hit the paradigm shift through the ramp. Yeah, dude. When when they showed the replays, a couple of the angles, I'm 90% sure he hit his head on the non-gimmicked portion that didn't break. Yeah, yeah, the actual, like, oh. one, two by fours. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the back of his crept. head. Yeah, it, it looked sick, <laughs> but um, I haven't heard anything negative coming out of it. That's and not, um, Moxley don't whine. What you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> right. But um, but this this was good. This is Brody Lee. His loss was disputable. He didn't quit. Like I've mentioned, Brody the referee Lee made the call. Out at one was that after that? Uh, yeah, yeah. After no, that, he I think that was before that because he was bleeding and then got choked out. I don't think uh, Mox went for the pin. That was before that, but still, he kicked out at one after off of a a paradigm shift or two. Well, yeah, off of the one paradigm shift after getting his ass kicked for quite a while I'm, by John Mox. I'm just gonna say this: his booking in this match should really help him build the connection with the audience that he is strongly missing right now. Yes, I really hope coming out of this that the the fans look at him differently than they have been because this was just mwah. I mean and after this how could you not be excited for John Moxley versus Brian Cage that's going to be nuts and if they put the title on Brian Cage I'll be upset cuz he jumped the line but at least this gets you out of putting it on another WWE guy Ah, there's so many better non WWE guys. <laughs> I'm not gonna. He's he's Brockish, you know. It's it's a it's a believable top contender. He's no um, no no no. I would not say he's Brockish. He's got the body of Brock. Yeah. He does not have the no, no. background, like, the skill, Brock is a genetic the freak. We all know that. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, he definitely isn't Brockish. He's he's more. I don't want to say Jinder Mahalish because that's on that's the complete opposite of of he's not he's nowhere near that bad. He's a big jack. No, it's dude. just like it's just like how I think of uh, Joey Janela, like Macho Man, but far more of a just a normal everyman guy. Uh, Brian Cage is the normal everyman guy. Brock Lesnar. Let's give him a, a normal everyman guy. Goldberg. Let's give him that. Fair enough. I'm hoping he can go longer than Goldberg. I don't want to see that shit. <laughs> I'm I'm hoping you know what. Even though I'm not a big fan of him, I'm hoping he can sell half as much money as Goldberg. Yeah. That would help AEW out. Cha-ching. I am definitely looking forward to Moxley Cage. Though. That's going to be interesting. It'll be interesting. I'm reserved on it right now. Very reserved, but but I'm going to go into it with an open mind because Cage has – I've seen really good ma- matches that Cage has been involved with. It just always seems like it's the other person – because the next time around you see him in another match and it's like, oh, it's the drizzling shits. So Moxley could bring out the best of him and they could definitely have an A match, yeah. I think. I mean, he did have a really bad spot in the ladder match too where he was going to set somebody up on that ladder and then the ladder fell over and then they restarted the spot. Yeah, but again, I'm 
that's happened kind of throughout yeah. the um, pay-per-view. So I'll, I'll give, and especially ladder matches. Oh, you just have to expect shit's going to happen. I just, I felt bad for him. Cause like, that's your debut. You don't want to have that kind of thing. Happen. <laughs> like, oh man. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's move on. Cause this one, I'm probably going to talk about more than I want to, but <laughs> well, you had to watch it more than you wanted to. Didn't you? That that's true. I, I did not it. want to watch. I loved it so much, man. It was. What was it? What was it? it Build was, it up for us. We're talking about the stadium stampede. The first ever stadium stampede. Seeing the elite Adam Page, Kenny Omega, Matt Hardy, Matt Jackson, and Nick Jackson. Defeating the inner circles, Chris Jericho, Jake Hager, Sammy Guevara, Santana, and Ortiz. Nice roll on the R there, buddy. I liked I liked the entrance. I loved that the, the inner circle came out in football pads and gear. And, and uh, Santana looks like he belongs on a football field. Ortiz oh. does not. <laughs> right, right. Uh, it, was, uh, it was really good. It was very entertaining. I thought you were going to love the parallels between this match and football. I expected that uh, just from the, the beginning. Well, throughout the match, honestly. <laughs> um, but I'm not a big football guy, but I still, I popped for it. It was smart. And then the elite came out all normal. Like, and I was like, Oh, you guys. Are so we do, we do have to mention, they, they talked about how, um, uh, I'm just going to cut you off for a second here, but they talked about how, uh, Chris Jericho or not Chris, Jer- they, uh, they talked about how, yeah, Chris, Chris Jericho, what was his, his number was something special to him. Oh, I don't. And know. Jake Hager's was his number from football, and Sammy Guevara's was his number from football, and they just—I don't know if this was like a, a standards and practice. Yeah, it can't be a standards and practice thing because they're cussing and doing all over. Yeah. They never once mentioned about um, Santana Ortiz being five one five zero, and I was just like, that's their fucking gimmick. Is five one five zero? That's the. The California uh, Code for Involuntary Psychiatric Commitment for Individuals Who Are um, Dangerously Insane. Yeah. And it's like that's been their gimmick from, from before they signed. Like, I think, I legitimately think that they just didn't do their research and didn't know what 5150 meant. Because they mentioned everybody else's and not theirs. Kind of bothered me, just because... 5150 was the only one I fucking knew what it meant and gave a shit about. Uh, and I marked when I said it was 5150 before they started talking about how all the numbers meant something. I just figured they were just whatever they picked. And then I was like, oh, there there you go, Santana Ortiz doing their uh, LAX gimmick. And then, yeah. Yeah. But that, that, that's fine. I, I think it's cool that they did it. I just think that was another thing on the announcers. Get into the match, pasty. All right. Well, it added an interesting fold to Adam Page did not come out with the elite, but Kenny Omega sure seemed confident he would be there. Um, uh, so we start and it's it's fucking Avengers Civil War. The two teams charging at each other. And I love that. That was really good. That, that was beautiful shooting. Definitely yes. made use of the uh, cinematic pre-taped. Mm-hmm. shot like that that was a setup shot like okay you guys stand here you guys stand here when i say go rolling go at it like yeah. loved it loved it yeah and, and as they were coming out i was totally hoping that would happen when that kind of shit happens i get extra happy 
Oh, then it broke down into what, like five, six minutes of just brawling around the ring and in the ring, and it was kind of boring, but it was the thing. And Sammy Guevara was hitting Kenny Omega in the head with a football when Adam Page came out on a horse and chased him out of the, the, the arena area and into the whatever. The, the stadium. Yeah. The st- yeah. Them. <laughs> uh, I, I, Sammy's run was amazing, but Adam Page was not close enough for that run to be a thing. I think. <laughs> um. Then what? More, more. You, you talk about it. You got the notes. I got. I actually. You know what? For only watching this one time through, I got a shit ton of notes. Good. Um, because it, because a lot went on and, and yeah. a lot, and it wasn't all and bad. I ain't in fact, remember this shit in order. So. I, I gave this thing, I gave this a, a beat. I'm not going to remember it in order either. Cause I wrote this afterwards. <laughs> I didn't take notes at the time, which was insane, but it was, it was hard. You couldn't, there's no way you could have took notes and caught what was going on. You know, Yeah. Um, I did give this a B grade, so I didn't shit on it. Like I think you thought I was finna. No, but I thought I, you were going to like it, and then you, you said I might be surprised at what you think. It's a miss. Oh. It's a miss. I, I know, I, I believe watching this, I got a feel for what they wanted to do, but I believe watching this that they failed at that. I feel like they um, made the best out of what they had at the time. They wouldn't be able to do this without COVID, you know what I mean? Oh, for sure, but th- there's better ways to do it, and I even... I even have examples later on. Just sit back and relax, well, buddy. it was better than WWE's um, Money in the Bank, right? Um, Because they don't have the history and they don't have the wherewithal that Money in the Bank did, no. But if AEW did this exact same match after 30, 40 years, it's, it's basically the same. I mean, literally, it's basically the same, it, which is sad but true. But I give it a better grade because they don't know what they're doing. But I, I, and I even mentioned that coming up here in my notes, so just bear with me here. Right. First thing is, I felt they didn't capitalize on the ring being present there, and I wouldn't have had the fucking ring there. Yeah, I don't know why the, the ring was there. Get the ring out. It's a false count anywhere stadium stampede match, and yeah, they did a couple flips off it and shit, but unnecessary. Get get rid of that. That was dumb. No reason to be there. The horse was a miss for me. I, I don't know. It was the There's... best they've used the horse so far. Usually it's in an arena full of people and the horse gets spooked. Yeah. Um, we, he doesn't need a horse. How about that? How about he doesn't need a horse? But he's cowboy shit. Uh, no, he's the hangman. He's not the cowboy. He needs to have a noose His and a fucking guillotine and shit. shit. Um, the whole gimmick made Adam Page seem really stupid. Like the whole, like, I'm not talking about just him running out, but then like, he's just Bro, literally wandering, wandering around the stands doing nothing. Yeah. I don't know if he did anything the whole time other than drink and ride a fucking horse. That's, that's kind I, of I, I mean, he hit somebody twice. Yeah. He, but he, he fought. Uh, he didn't look good at Jake all. Jake Hager in the bar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. He he just well he he picked him up and threw him down the bar. That's what he did. Uh-huh. Um, I that being said, I have in my notes I did enjoy the two bar scenes. Yes, but I don't know what to do with them. Like they really seemed very out of place, and and, and they didn't seem like they needed to be there. They didn't help. 
My favorite part was the pool of, and I am jumping around here because, like I said, I didn't do this in order. My favorite part was the pool of reincarnation. That was fun. But, again, even even as of today, I'm still, this is a week off of, of the death of Chad Gaspar, and I'm wondering if they should have pulled it out of respect for him to do a, a drowning gimmick after a real pro wrestler just really fucking drowned. It's like, I, I love... I love the whole thing, and yes, they probably had it written up, but they didn't shoot it, at least from what I've heard, until Friday. So they easily could have cut that out and not done it. Even if you had pre-shot it, I think you could have cut it out. Uh It was my favorite part. I loved it. I loved every second of Matt changing and everything, and the guys just, you know, and and I I think it was Ortiz. I don't remember who it was. Yeah, it was Ortiz. I can't swim. I can't swim. swim. (laughs) (laughs) Get the fuck in there. God damn it. It's like three feet deep. Yeah, get your ass. Like, I I loved the whole thing. So I, I, that's why I'm torn. It's like, part of me is like, yeah, be respectful. And part of me is like, but this is your ace in the fucking hole. So that's why I'm torn about Santana Ortiz because I I loved them in Impact as the badasses they were. And now they're here and they're funny and I love it, but I miss them from Impact. Right. I hope when they break away that they get back into that. Yeah. Um. I oh, I did put in here. I called Matt. Um. Not Matt Hardy. I called Matt Buck flipping off the goalpost. I called it last week. <laughs> I said he's fucking injured, and they're still gonna have him come out, and he'll probably do a goddamn flip off the goalpost. And damned if he didn't do a moonsault off the goalpost. Don't do a moonsault off, <laughs> salt off the goalpost, Matt. You're fucking injured. Don't that thing's do a it. lot less stable than it looks like. It moved a lot. Oh, God. That scary. That was a scary spot. Well, yeah, that's a very big, wide thing that's held by just a tiny... And then wasn't it uh, him who, can, who who went on to do the fucking, the, the full football field worth of suplexes? It was, and I'm going to get to that, with too. With those because... ribs. Either that, that injury might have been fake, you know, I guess, just to... Uh... I don't think it is. I mean, it could have been, but I don't think it is. Um, Sammy sleeping was weird. That was fucking weird. He was definitely the weak link in the match, I and him sleeping. I, I he was, uh, and he really fell flat. You don't remember him sleeping because fucking um, Hangman even drove, uh, rode a fucking line over him with the chalk. Oh yeah, while yeah. he's sitting there fucking sleeping. Um, he was knocked ring- out, wasn't he? <sighs> He might have been. He's just fucking laying there asleep. I don't know what the fuck he was knocked out from. Last time I seen him, he was fucking running away from a horse. The next thing I see, he's sleeping, and a drunk hangman page comes out, which, by the way, drunk hangman page was weird, and uh, and I didn't think that the whole thing with him and doing the – it didn't work, him coming out drunk and just doing the striper on – a sleeping Guevara was just, it's just weird. I don't know. It's, Not, it's to me, funny. none of that worked. Yeah. Well, I mean, you just, it's I, funny. I it as a comedy show. Really? I but loved, then, I loved after it, they beat up Hager in the bar too. And they shared, you want to drink? Mega's like, yeah. And they poured, he poured him a glass of milk and he poured him a glass. Yeah. Of Their team is amazing. And I want them to last but for a I while. I think this is, I think this is the same problem and I'm, I'm going to jump ahead, but I'm just going to respond to what you said and then move on. The same, this is why I said it's the same thing as uh, Money in the Bank. They didn't know if they wanted to be a comedy show or a wrestling show, and they start, kept cutting it together, but they didn't cut it together well to where it's like, oh, here's some really cool wrestling. Oh, here's funny. Oh, here's some cool wrestling. Oh, here's funny. It it didn't work for me. It worked for people because the Internet is, is on our side, Pasty. 50% of the posts I see loved it. 50% of the posts I see did not like it. 
So it's like, okay, I get it. Um, it's not, for, it isn't for everybody. And I say that about a lot of shit I like. Mm-hmm. I will say the end came out of nowhere and was a pin on the weakest link of the group. So it, and it basically didn't resolve anything. I don't know what the one winged angel from Kenny Omega onto Sammy Guevara that wasn't built up like at all. Yeah, I, I don't really think those two fought each other at all in this whole, in no. this whole stadium match. So I didn't like that. This was fun to be had for fun's sake. But with a feud that was as deep and extreme as this one is, I think there should have been more storyline progression, and I really didn't feel any storylines evolved. And this is where I said in my notes, this show had the same problem with Money in the Bank. Is it wrestling? Is it Gaga? Is this canon? Is this a one-off? Is What is it? I don't oh, think AEW knew what they thing. wanted to do. And they either... And, and I'll, I'll, I'm going to give some slack to the wrestlers... They either didn't edit it very well to save the shit show, or well, and not it wasn't a shit show, but to to save to make it look good, or either they edited it too much and ruined it. I, See, I don't know. I had I had issue with the fact that there was a lot of stuff that happened inside the stadium, and then it has me questioning. Well, what's going on out by the by the ring? You know, nothing right? for for seven eight minutes at a time at times like it. It was weird how they'd stay on location for so long. But I love the Matt Hardy stuff with the pool. But after the pool, my favorite was when he did the Bugs Bunny doctor thing with the wheelchair and put Ortiz in the wheelchair. It's like, oh, I forgot. Until tomorrow, take two of these and call me in the morning. <laughs> I forgot about that. That was awesome. I loved the it. The bell uh, was a little weak. Like, I was like, that's kind of dumb. It makes it sense was. for Matt Hardy, but but that was like... As a yeah. transition between those two awesome jokes, though, uh, it was okay. It worked. Um, I, I do have two things I think could have improved this greatly. One, take away two or three wrestlers from each team. Cut down how many people the cameras try and follow. That kind of is the same point you had. And that's kind of the same point I had with the, that I think we both had with Money in the Bank. Is like they would stick on one thing for so long and nobody gives a shit what's happening with the rest of the eight, ten people. What's sad is I don't even remember much Money in the Bank anymore beyond the McMahon room. You're not, Pasty, in a, a week or two, you're not going to remember much of this other than the fucking reincarnation lake and the bar scene. So don't feel I, bad. I had a lot it's of the same. You had fun with it, but you're not going to remember anything. Nothing stood out. Well, the other thing I have. Watch it when I forget. <laughs> the other thing I have is cut 10 to 14 minutes off of this 34 fucking minute match. If you would have taken away two to three wrestlers from each and cut 10 minutes off of it or 14 minutes, I think you really could have edited it down to a really good either a false count anywhere wrestling match or a really fun Gaga cinematic comedy show. Basically, you you could have edited it down to like an episode of Being the Elite. That was just kind of fun. Yeah. And and I would have been, I think I would have been okay with that. Well, had a whole Being the Elite about this. I didn't watch it because of other things going on. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't watch it either. But you can bet it would be, I bet there's match stuff in it that you didn't get to see in the the actual match, like cut scenes. Um, We got to give, stop before we move on. I know you want to move on and shit, but this, there's so much happening in this match. We got to stop and give a moment to the comedic genius that is Chris Jericho. When he got that two count and challenged the ref, saying it was a three count, and they go into the review booth, I didn't. I didn't like that. What? I loved it. I did. Well, again, because to me, that only works if this is a complete. 
if this is a complete comedy match, if they're, you know, but it, they were selling it, you know, he, he did that and he challenged it, but then Kenny Omega did a one-winged angel and won, then why wasn't there a flag called it? Why wasn't there a challenge? It was on this, you know, like I, it didn't, it was thrown in there just because they were on a football field, I felt. I didn't feel like it had anything to do with the match. I don't know. I thought it took away from it. I, I didn't understand why he's challenging it. Other than they're on a football field. You know what I mean? Now, if, like, somebody's leg would have been under a rope or something, which I guess they had a ring there that could have done it, then I guess the challenge would have made sense. I don't know. Uh, that one I didn't like. I thought it fell flat. So here, Pasty, I'm, I'm going to give you a little, uh, just to let you know I'm not just shitting on the match. I'm going to compare it to the Boneyard match and to the uh, Money in the Bank match. If you look at the Boneyard match, it was a real match set in a gimmick cinematic universe. Uh, oh, not Money in the Bank, Firefly. You look at the Firefly Funhouse, fully cinematic production that peppered in some wrestling context. Little bit. The Boneyard match had things we would see in a real match but was exaggerated. Multiple masked men came in to attack um, The Undertaker. In a real match, you see that. Look at the NWO, Corporate Ministry, Dark Order, Aces and Eights. Here we just saw Druids attack Undertaker, but the walls of the barn fell and exposed them. It's like, oh, cool. They, they used the cinematic experience to make a real match thing look better. In a real match, horses aren't running into the ring to chase people down. Wrestlers don't hang out at the bar and have drinks. Drunks aren't painting sleeping wrestlers. Cuts aren't made to imply the passage of time. And yes, I'm talking about the German suplexes, which was fun, but we all seen where you it was going. You know they and stopped and got, got up and walked down. Oh, yeah, they did <laughs> Yeah, they, they, they did three of them. They did three <laughs> sets of them, and they that's what I'm saying. Like, cut, cuts were made to imply the passage of time, which was cute and fun for this match, but you're not going to see that in a pro wrestling match. It was really beyond suspension of disbelief. Now you look at the Firefly Funhouse, there were a few wrestling moments that were presented in memories or not really actually happening. They were, like, fake. They were illusions mm. so i really just don't know what aew implied all these events were <sighs> I, I that's the part that i think is the the disconnect it was either it's one or the other it's honestly and both. yeah when i look at it the best parts were the comedy parts and then you look at the deletion saga and those were and i'll i'll, I'll admit hit or miss sometimes some of them weren't as great as others but they did portray real wrestling matches using the Hardy compound in extravagant ways. And for the most part, it worked. And the stadium showdown did this a bit also. The field goal, moonsault, the pool of reincarnation, fighting yeah, in the stands. Yeah, but you could definitely tell that the Matt Hardy stuff was like, that was the broken section of this thing. Oh, yeah. Watching. The one-winged angel out of the balcony. Like, these are things. these are things that, you know... Work. They were they were wrestling, but they were uh -huh. connected. And why would you and, do uh, the one winged angel out of the balcony when Moxley just did kind of the same thing with Brody Lee's face? Yeah, that, that actually that, I didn't think of that, but that's a good point. That was a complaint I had at the finish too. But like I said, I look back at it. I loved the comedy part. That's that's what I was there for. 
I, you know what? If they cut it down into a comedy thing, I, I would have liked it a lot better. If they would have cut it down into a false count anywhere match, I think I would have liked it better. I think it was just, I don't think they mixed it well. I don't think they mixed it well. Um, before we move on, I do want to shit on JR. <laughs> he was off all night. You already mentioned a couple things. Um, I do want to mention he accidentally called the TNT title the TNA championship, which which is an easy mistake to make, and, and I have no problem with him doing it. Honest mistake. I, I, I get that. The problem was how he handled it. Afterwards, he kept bringing up the mistake. He even joked that he felt he might be getting fired about it. But he said it in a very, like, depressed, salty tone, and it was obvious, like, he's worried about the internet people just going to town right. on him, like they do. But that's kind of what he seemed to do on the show, was kind of just own it more. Yeah, I, he didn't seem to own it, though. He felt like he was, like, like he was just expect. I don't know. He also <laughs> kept cutting off Tony and Excalibur, and uh, one, of his, one of his rude interruptions was noticed by more than just me. This was when Excalibur was building up something. I don't, I don't even remember what he was doing, but I remember just in the middle of Excalibur talking, JR goes, you sold enough, good job, and then just starts going on to something else. And he literally on Pro Wrestling Tees, JR Store, has a new shirt called, you sold enough, good job. <laughs> so I don't know. JR just seemed kind of off that night, like just in a grumpy mood. <clears throat> I don't know. We like Grumpy Jr. Though oh, yeah. I will say that I'm I, I'm gonna say Excalibur is starting to come into his own. I think I think the the the, the announce booth seems to have a lot more fun now than it was when it was more stressful in the beginning. Oh, this three man booth, <laughs> especially when they got rid of um, Mark Mark Marquis Marquez Marquez uh, Tony Khan's best friend Marquez. The original announcer, remember Marquez? Oh yeah, yeah. I can't guy. think of his. Yeah, I can't think of his first name. Um, I don't think it matters. <laughs> it, 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 it does. Oh, uh, it, it really doesn't. But it's like, yeah. Especially when they got rid of him, it's like you could tell he was just hired because he's Tony Khan's best friend. Get the fuck yeah, out of here. Yeah. Um, best match of the night, Pasty. Oh. You can go with the stadium. Go for it. I'm okay with that. But you see, I got to go with John Brody. I'm okay with that even more. Stadium Stampede was a whole lot of fun, but to me that was like, uh, it would be like the lights out match, you know, where it doesn't matter because it's like the bonus match. Right. Uh, Mox and Brody, though, tore the house down. They sweat so much. A lot of those spots had to be so hard because there was no grip. <laughs> yeah, Both no of shit. them had Legit. like beads covering their bodies. These guys worked hard. And yeah, a lot of the stuff was kind of the same as the women's championship match, and they should have been spaced out more. But Brody oh, Lee, man, ass. I've never witnessed Brody Lee, and I'd never want to stop witnessing Brody Lee. Brody Lee you. versus Brian Cage. You know, there's a lot of big guys there now. Brody Lee versus Luchasaurus would be fun. Oh, for sure. Brody Lee, Lance, Lance Archer, I'm really looking forward to. And even some of the smaller guys, you know, I could see a Brody Darby. Lee. Yeah, yeah, for Good sure. God, that'll be fun. <laughs> um, I, I can't argue that. I think it's great. I think there's only... To, in my opinion, there's only two matches. It could be you picked one. I'm picking the women's championship match. Like you said, they're they're both very similar. 
And uh, I, ju- I just felt like the women's match had a little more story involved in it. Uh, but that, that's probably the only tipping point. Uh, I do love the fact that I think this match showed all the people who aren't into Brody Lee, and I think they're not into Brody Lee because they look at Luke Harper from WWE. And yeah. Luke Harper in WWE was not good. He wasn't bad, but he was not good. And I don't think he's gotten to show them what he can be. So I hope this match turns him into a main eventer immediately. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm going women's championship match. I'm I, okay with that. After the match, though, Brody took to Twitter and he treated, tweeted respect for John Moxley, and that's not something I wanted to see after this. No, no, especially not as the exalted one. Yeah. This is another thing where we need to teach wrestlers to, to keep kayfabe on social media. It helps yeah. a lot. Helps a lot. Uh, final grade for the entire pay-per-view, Pasty. I'm going I'm going B. I think it's a middle-of-the-road pay-per-view. I don't think it was bad. It's higher than a C, for sure. I think the good um, stuff was real good. Y- yes, I agree. The good stuff was real good. Mediocre stuff was mediocre. Couple bad. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to go with an A-minus, man. I'm pushing you to a B-plus overall. That's okay. I can't argue an A minus. It was it was solid. It wasn't last year's double or nothing, but it's not last year's circumstances either. Um a hundred percent. It was it was a fun ride. It was easy watch. It was four hours and it was easy watch. Um and that stadium stampede, it's gonna be something I'm gonna go back and watch probably at least once a year. It was it was a lot of fun. See, I just I just can't see going back and rewatching it. Um, but to be honest, all the cinematic ones that we've seen so far that I've enjoyed and I've had fun with, mm. outside of the uh, delete saga, which I've watched multiple times, I think I think the Firefly Funhouse is the only one that I'd actually ever go back and rewatch. Like, yeah, yeah. Just but in my this, opinion, this wasn't better than Firefly Funhouse, and Firefly Funhouse is far shorter. Uh, but this was a lot of fun, and I, you know, it's exactly it, it's exactly what the elite would do. You know, that's that's being the elite come to life in a match. Yeah, for sure, I, I agree a hundred percent, and that's yeah, uh, I agree with that. Basically, I think we should uh, rapid fire the news here and get through this. Um, we don't have a lot of news, but we have a lot to say about a lot of the stuff here. Um, you can go ahead and start. I'm going to, I'm going to open up the Savage Sentinel with, uh, with something that's really near and dear to my heart. Japanese women's wrestler, Hana Kimura, standout of the stardom promotion, passed away at only 22 years of age of apparent suicide due to ingesting hydrogen sulfide. There were... We don't. Uh, you never like deaths in the pro wrestling com- community or anywhere, but the suicides. There was concern over Kimura last Friday. Actually, as we were recording, she uh, posted some images that appeared to show self harm to herself, uh, cutting and the, the such. And she had a series of tweets, very disturbing, very disturbing tweets, which were translated to quote nearly 100 frank opinions every day. I couldn't deny that I was hurt. I'm dead. Thank you for giving me a mother. It was a life I wanted to be loved. Thank you to everyone who supported me. I love it. I'm weak. I'm sorry. I don't want to be a human anymore. It was a life I wanted to be loved. 
Thank you, everyone. I love you. Bye. That's the last communication she had before she killed herself. Kimura recently appeared on Terrace House, which is a Japanese reality show on Netflix. Her reaction to an incident on the show led to fans turning on her and attacking her online, which appears to be a contributing factor in the mental health decline before her passing. Fuji TV announced Wednesday that the show Terrace House Tokyo 2019-2020 will be canceled following the death, and CNN reports that Japan's Minister of Internal Affairs and Communications, Sane Takaichi, pledged on Tuesday to speed up government discussions around cyberbullying legislations due to this incident. Close friend to Kimura, Kairi Sane, has revealed that she attempted to help Hana after she posted her final tweets and the self-harm images. Kairi's tweet reads, as translated to English, I was, I was able to notice her tweet right away because it was afternoon in the United States by the time difference, midnight in Japan. I called Jungle Screamer and Rosie Agawa with 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 Io immediately. Io Shirai immediately. I'm sorry. Kiona went with her all might. However, I didn't make it in time. Hanachan, I lost an important, irreplaceable companion. There is a hole in my mind, and it is difficult to accept this reality now. Now, for those of you who might not know about Kimuru, she was an up-and-comer who was making huge waves, but was really a lot of a lot of people compared her to the um, Kurt Angle of the Stardom Federation because from the moment she appeared, she just got it and became a star. She began her career by winning the DDT Ironman Heavy Metal Weight Championship on August twenty-fourth, twenty-first, two thousand five, at a live event in Tokyo. Now, this was when she was eight years old. <laughs> that was her first major title win. She later lost the title to her mother, legendary Japanese wrestler Kyoko Kimura. She debuted for Stardom back in 2016 after lots of training and was a one-time Goddess of Stardom champion and a two-time Artist of Stardom champion. She appeared for other promotions in Japan and worked the very first ever New Japan Pro Wrestling Women's Match, teaming with... Julia and a loss to Arisa Hoshiki and Maya Iwatani at Wrestle Kingdom 14 event back in January of just this year. A very sad and un- unnecessary passing. Yeah. Too many of those right now, but yeah. Yeah, that was one of the things. And uh, she was she was really good friend of uh, sorry um, of. Hikaru Shida, and that's part of the reason why she was so serious and saw him start that match. Yeah, she actually posted stuff on social media as well. Yeah. Uh, very, very sad passing. Very sad. Uh, since the start of the global pandemic, most independent promotions, especially those in highly effective states, have been forced to shut down temporarily and scramble for ways to keep things operational. One New York-based indie promotion has come up with a unique way to buck that trend. Last month, ICW New York will host the... Next month, ICW New York will host the Deathmatch Drive in Atlantic City, New Jersey. This will be a live event where 50 carloads of fans will get to attend a pro wrestling event in the same way that their grandparents watched movies. 
As is typical for the promotion, the match will be full-on death matches with no disqualifications, submissions, or other rules. Fans will arrive at the outdoor event and get the chance to purchase concessions. Then, other than bathroom breaks, they must stay in their cars throughout the combat. ICW staff will be wearing masks throughout and otherwise doing their best to preserve some semblance of health and safety. Those who aren't in Atlantic, uh, Atlantic City but want to be in on the carnage can order the show now through IWTV. Although exact pricing isn't available as of yet, it's certainly a unique offering in a unique time. And that might be enough to make some fans tune in and other promotions break out of the box when it comes to their own unique ways of moving forward in a time of crisis. I like this. I like this. This is cool, isn't it? Yes. <clears throat> I'm excited for this. I I, <clears throat> I would love to watch it. I don't know that I'm going to get a chance. To, I'm not going to get a chance to watch it live. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't even know that I'll get a chance to watch it on IWTV. But God, good for them for just really going out of the box and doing something different. Creative thinking in, in situations like this is, is what's going to make things go forward. Well, and you know, these these smaller companies, I mean, these are even smaller than your MLWs, your NWAs, ROHs, Impacts. They can't do cinematic matches. I mean, mm-hmm. they don't have the money to do cinematic matches. So what are you going to do? Well, you're going to do a drive-in, apparently. This is cool. I'm excited for this. Even, even though I'm not going to get to see it, I'm excited for it. Ah. <laughs> uh, Something that we actually talked about a little bit last week. We kind of, we kind of blew this. We blew this news last week before it was even official. Pasty WWE Hall of Famer Ric Flair recently reached a deal to transfer the rights to his two trademarks on quote the man unquote to WWE. The United States Patent and Trademark Office shows that Flair's LLC assigned the entire interest and the goodwill of the two trademarks to WWE on Tuesday, May 19th. These are the same trademarks for the man that Flair filed for on August 22nd, 2019 and August 26, 2019. Flair filed these trademarks after WWE had been billing Becky Lynch as the man because he felt like those intellectual properties belonged to him since nobody in the history of the world has ever called themselves the man. <laughs> At the time, he publicly stated in interviews that WWE should have paid him for the use of the nickname for Lynch. Flair noted in his original trademark filing that the first that he first used the man in commerce back in 1976. As we've noted just recently, the Nature Boy recently inked a new deal with WWE. WWE, yeah. <laughs> so it's possible that the trademarks were a part of this new deal. We just said this last week, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. We were like, well, now that uh, he's part of WWE, I guess. Becky's the man. And she Tony. might not be back. <laughs> yeah, right. He gave it up now, and she she might not even get to use it. Fun shit. Well, man, the wrestling world. What a world it is. Uh Chris Jericho's Rocket Rager at Sea is still scheduled to set sail in 2021. Jericho gave a big update yesterday on the cruise that is currently scheduled to happen on February 1st to 5th, 2021. The cruise is advertising four days of wrestling matches, three Fozzie concerts, an event titled Family Feud with Chris Jericho, autograph sessions, live podcasts, and more. Jim Duggan. Ted DiBiase and Bully Ray have been confirmed for the event. 
Last year's cruise featured the taping of an episode of AEW Dynamite branded Bash at the Beach. The promotion started after last year's event that they would air Dynamite live from the cruise in 2021. But due to health and safety concerns of the COVID-19 era, ChrisJerichoCruise.com has posted the following statement. We recognize that we're in the midst of uncertain times right now. Times like that call for extra flexibility, special value, and an absolute assurance that your health and safety are being closely looked after. Several new protocols will be coming to the cruise industry following the reassumption of their business. The cruise line Jericho uses for Rock and Rager at Sea has already stated they will no longer be greeting guests with high fives. Oh, they've been wishing that for long before COVID. Damn, uh, <laughs> high fives again. I'm carrying luggage, fuck. <laughs> you gotta drop it. <laughs> they go for two. They go for two. Right, right. <laughs> up top, buddy, up top. <laughs> Behind the back. <laughs> you gotta guess the secret handshake if you want on the ship. <laughs> oh, good stuff. We expect new protocols to continue changing and planning for your event will continue evolving right alongside them. One measure we'll implement right away is saying goodbye to our wel- welcome, beloved high fives. However, <laughs> really stuck on the high fives. Really that's, big that's the only thing they're changing. It's a death blow for them. Without our high fives, what are we? <laughs> That's what the people pay for. (laughs) (laughs) However, you can still count on a friendly Sack Smith face upon your arrival to greet you and welcome you to the party. Thank God for that. Oh, sixth man, sixth man. I said Sack Smith. Yeah, but I don't know what a sixth man face is, anyways. Has something to do with high fives? I'm assuming. They're really stuck on their high fives. God. Sixth man, he wanted six. High five, high six, baby. <laughs> Fuck that. We go all out here. Oh, moving on. On May 22nd, Acting Secretary of Homeland Security, Chad F. Wolf, signed an order that exempts certain foreign professional athletes who compete in professional sporting events organized by certain leagues, including their essential staff and their dependents, from proclamations barring their entry into the U.S. Secretary Wolf said, Professional sporting events provided much-needed economic benefits, but equally important, they provided community pride and national unity. In today's environment, America needs their sports. It's time to reopen the economy, and it's time we get our professional athletes back to work. So in a nutshell, they're going to be opening international travel for professional sport, certain professional sports athletes. It does not mention any type, and it does not mention pro wrestling, but by gum, if Trump has anything to do with it, <laughs> they are there. Uh, that's, that's good news, though. I mean, there's a lot of people who haven't been on shows lately that because they can't come into the country. Um... Dark order. Yeah. I mean, just as simple as crossing the Canadian border. <laughs> right. We're not even talking about European and, and Asian talent. Like, just crossing the border from Mexico or from Canada is is not allowed right now. Do you think coming in from Canada now is like coming in from Mexico? 
Yeah, just <laughs> with more prescription drugs and less illicit drugs. Uh, well, that brings us to the end of the Savage Sentinel, and now we can move on to comings and goings. As seen on Double or Nothing and spoke about on this episode of Beast Sticks Podcast, Brian Cage has made his way into All Elite Wrestling, and in case you forgot, he is official. He signed with the company back in January, but was injured at the time of the signing, which Tony Khan got a lot of grief for. And this and his time of recovery worked perfect in light of the injuries that occurred in AEW last week before the big show. Although I feel Most like he was, he was probably scheduled as the Joker card. See, I was I was thinking I'm glad you brought that up again. That's something else I was thinking about. They didn't really replace Phoenix, right? They just because they didn't replace Phoenix and then have a Joker card, did they? Yeah, they or no, did, Joey Janela. Joey Janela. Yeah. No, okay. I, I I was thinking outside of myself. It was wrong. Mm. There you go. Ah, so there you go. Yep, Brian Cage has been there forever. We just didn't know it. Yeah. Actually, we even, you know, reported on it, but I even had completely forgot about it yeah, by this too. time. January is literally a whole three years ago from now. <laughs> yeah. That was basically 2019. Uh, yeah, for real. <laughs> Uh, moving on, FTR, formerly known as the Revival in WWE, also debuted in this week's AEW Dynamite, helping the Young Bucks take out the Butcher and the Blade. FTR drove up to the building in a truck. Woo! Cody did that like two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, he got into that, and then he like Was destroyed it, they his own. Did they drive up in Cody's truck? That would have been cool. It might have like, been, hey, but then I like how this. I like how he destroyed a barricade that's literally his company's barricade that he paid for. <laughs> like, come on, dude. Come on. Um, <clears throat> so after driving up in a truck, they got into the ring, initially teasing they were going to attack Matt and Nick, but then the two helped clear out the Butcher and the Blade. FTR then had a face-to-face with Matt and Nick before leaving the ring. Wheeler and Hardwood. Hardwood. <laughs> hardwood. Should just be um, Hardwood. <clears throat> who are who are F, FTR, you know, that's their legal names. They wrote on Twitter after their appearance, FTR will mean different things at different times, just in case you were wondering. Fear the revolt. Fuck the rest. For the revolution. I like that one. New name, same game, talk heavy, hit hard, wake up, and fight. So it sounds like uh, their, their literal name is going to be FTR. Uh, I like that. I like that. It definitely it's helps fluid. that. Uh, I like that. It, it works when they do f- heel and face changes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's fair. It's kind of weird, but it works. Oh, they're not the first ones to go change it into so you know change something into a full acronym. Plus, you know, at least they're not taking money out of the mouths of uh, the revolt. The um, indie team that had been working in North Carolina forever well, I mean, that they were stealing the their name from. But yeah, yeah, they'll do that. <laughs> Unless they're splitting it 50-50. They're not. <laughs> <laughs> well, they are, but just with themselves. There you go. That's true. That's true. Major League Wrestling National Openweight Champion Alex Hammerstone has signed a new multi-year deal with MLW. Hammerstone said as of the re-signing, I don't want to just make money and retire. I want to create a legacy. MLW has given me that platform. 
Not only that, I still have a lot to do in this company. I still have a lot of goals. If you haven't noticed someone that the world heavyweight, uh, if you haven't, sorry, if you haven't noticed someone has the world weight, world heavyweight championship, and it ain't me, and that just they don't sit right. There you go. He talks weird. I'm sorry. I have a platform here at MLW to explore everything I can do and test myself against the best out there. And that's what's most important to me. I just want to thank everyone out there and hope you follow me on this journey. Well, where are we following you to? You haven't moved. <laughs> no, I like Hammerstone. I'm glad he's sticking there. He's he's a good fit in MLW. Yeah. Another good... F- Go ahead. Wasn't he part of Dynasty? He was. Yeah. He is. Yeah. We like that. Another good fit in uh, organization, Flip Gordon, Villain Enterprise member, is sticking around Ring of Honor, announcing that he signed a multi-year contract with them. Gordon commented, saying, Ring of Honor has been my home for the last three years, and I'm very excited to say I'm not going anywhere for years and years to come, because the mercenary has signed a new multi-year million-dollar deal. Now it's time to win some Ring of Honor gold. Very nice. Uh, I'd love to see him in AEW, but, you know, Skrull, I'm going to have their own thing going on. I'm okay with that, too. Yeah, they're doing really good over there. They're they're making moves. Honestly, eventually, the two companies will start working together anyway, right? I'm sure. Uh, On Tuesday's episode of Impact Wrestling, a vignette aired for Deanna Purrazzo. I am the virtuosa, Purrazzo wrote in the video. Do you know what that means? Allow me to explain. I express outstanding technical ability. I have cultivated appreciation for artistic excellence. Unlike the average human, I have been able to declutter my mind and access space previously ignored. To be truly virtuous, I have formulated the perfect equation for success, which I implement with precision. A unique training that not only lies in technique, but in the movements between, allowing my reactions not to be within the stimulus but within my subconscious knowledge, I am Deanna Purazzo, the virtuosa. God damn, that was an 80s coked out promo. What I love is you didn't <laughs> fucking miss a beat on that one, and you I just know. fucking slaughtered Alex Hammerstone's like, simple sentence, and you just nailed her fucking shit. I was like, wow. Way to That's make up for that I'm last in, one, man. buddy. Eloquent talking, make your point and make it mean something. That's what this week is about. That's awesome. (laughs) You you nailed it, man. I I couldn't believe it. I was like, I said, I was thinking the same thing halfway through. I'm like, oh my god, this is amazing. (laughs) Oh. Uh, uh, Now I'm gonna butcher the rest because she's not talking anymore. Probably. On the Wrestling Inc. podcast, she discussed the decision to join, noting the leaps that Impact Wrestling has made with their women's division. I think Impact, along with AEW, when people have asked, where, see, I told you. I think Impact, <laughs> along with AEW, when people have asked where my places are, uh, where my sites are set, those are the two biggest places, stated Pirazzo. I think, especially with Impact, they've signed so many women over the past two to three weeks. Kimberly just debuted. Tasha Steeles just debuted. They have Neva and Jordy and Grace as their champion. 
It's a lot of people I've worked with on the indies before WWE, so I would be so excited to meet back up with them now. And so would we. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she'll do great there. Um, Impact Wrestling has been, I, I say still to this day, um, maybe NXT. NXT and, and Impact Wrestling has just the best women's division. You know, she kind of mentioned there, she's like, Impact along with AEW. You can tell she's like, oh, Impact has a better women's division. Yeah. Although that, that last women's title match was one of the best ever, so AEW's doing something right. But Yes, they are. For sure. She's she's going to do great there, and they, they're just uh, – they're going to continue to be the forefront of women's wrestling, I think, Impact Wrestling. And they should. Uh, Drew Gulak, pasty, has re-signed with WWE. Gulak was recently added back to the official WWE SmackDown roster page on the WWE website. PW Insider reports Gulak has come to terms for a new deal with WWE. We reported, Pasty, just last week that Drew Gulak's WWE contract had expired after he was moved to the alumni section of the WWE website. Gulak was reportedly in contract negotiations, but Drew had asked for more money than WWE had offered him, but that request was not only denied, but served to cease the negotiations altogether. Now, last week, if you remember, we did mention Gulak's attorney, Barry Bloom, said they were still working on a deal to return to WWE that works for both parties, and it looks like those talks must have resumed. He's he's working for what they offered him originally. He's, he's back on <laughs> NXT saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's good. It's good to see that he kept his job in WWE. He was making moves in WWE, and I think this is very positive. Even if he is coming back at the same pay, like we said, in these times, that just that alone is a positive. Yeah, very much so. He, he's definitely been uh, very impressive on the shows I haven't been watching because yes. I haven't been watching. But I do see things, um, and and Gulak and Daniel Bryan is like a it's it's a gift, really. It's a gift, gift of the gods. <laughs> uh, well, now we got to move into the injury report. Luckily, there's only one of these this week, and you'll never guess at who is at the hands of. Oh my <laughs> god! WWE taped next week's episode of Raw at the Performance Center this past Wednesday, and during the show, Kyrie Sane was injured while performing in a match with Nia Jax. <laughs> According to a report from Wrestling Observer, Kyrie Sane was bloodied up after hitting the ring steps during the match. Everyone who I've talked to has said no one's blaming Nia Jax, except for everyone that you're not talking to. <laughs> This was not Nia Jax's fault, even though other things have been. <laughs> he had to add that. <laughs> this, this one wasn't her. Give her a round of applause, folks. This one wasn't her. <laughs> Said Dave Meltzer. <laughs> Basically, Kyrie Sane got whipped into the ring steps. One person said that she may have stumbled, but she was trying to take it on her side. She did take it on her side. Her head did hit the steps. Her head hit the steps. She was bloodied up. She was knocked silly. It's not known yet if Kyrie has a concussion. However, the match was stopped, and it's not clear if the match will air on television or if it will be edited before airing. Uh. 
Yeah, I think it sounds like most people are actually sticking up for Nia right now and saying Kyrie kind of wanted to make it look good and made it look a little too good, but it definitely it still definitely does not help Nia Jax. No, no, I'm no. a big proponent of Nia Jax. I I am a big proponent, and she seems to. The bigger you are, the safer you need to be. That's that's the mentality the wrestlers need to have, right? Yeah, yeah, legitimately, I would say so, and I think that she's just. Not only has she made mistakes, but she's also just been in the wrong place at the wrong time one too many times that it's almost Boy Who Cried Wolf. Even if, like, the next 12 accidents have nothing to do with her, she's going to be the common denominator, and you're still going to look at it like, ah. Yeah, it could be a multi-woman match. She might not even be in the spot. Somebody's going to blame her for not being there to catch the person. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's sad, especially Kyrie, who is who is – Moving on up, not to the east side, but mm-hmm. yeah, we hope that uh, we hope that nothing major happens and she's back on next week's show. Yeah, uh, Nia Jax needs a little bit of work, but I didn't see the spot, so I really can't talk. I don't know. It's just funny that it's her again. You can uh, talk when she just came back. She just came That's back. What we're here for. She just came back. She's taking people out. She's yeah. Vince's hitman. <laughs> Well, there you go, Pasty. That's the show. Boy, we got a whole we got a whole two hours out of this. Yeah, yeah, we did two hours and sixteen seconds at this moment. Uh, a lot to uh, a lot to go over, but I think it's time to uh, call it an evening. Yes. Uh, thank you for tuning in. I've been Pasty, and I am Fat Mac, and this has been Beef Sticks Podcast, powered by Cloud Style Broadcasting. Stay safe out there. Um, uh, stick together, and you know, just just do good. Put good out there. The world needs to change, and now I believe is the time. Uh, no better time than the present. You take care, and we'll see you back here next week. <laughs>